Hey, good evening, LifeWay Young Adults. So happy to have you joining us for First Friday. Uh, you are catching me here in, in our office here at home, and I'm excited to bring a word from the Lord for you tonight. But first of all, let's talk about some other things, okay? Let's get some young adult business out of the way. We are truly sorry that we've had to cancel our young adults retreat. Um, we're in the same boat as many of you. We just don't know what the future looks like. So we really can't tell you what's gonna happen next, if it will get rescheduled, and if so, when? Will we turn it into a day event? We just don't know. So we're praying through that and waiting to see what develops, and we will keep you posted. Also, we are doing our best to keep up with as many of you as possible uh, through Zoom calls. And if you are not part of that, if you are not actively engaged in one of our life groups, we would love to have you connect with us. So shoot me an email at reneegroff at lifewaychurch.life, or you can go online and join one of the life groups um, so that you can get included on that and at least get to see some of your friends online. We've been having a really great time with our group, and uh, we are happy to include more people if you'd like to join us. So Tonight, we are kicking off a brand new series called We Need to Talk. And specifically tonight, I am going to be addressing uh, what we would call hot button issues and how do we address them. I don't know about you, but I feel like I have developed sort of a love-hate relationship with social media. And quite frankly, the longer it goes, the more I lean toward the hate than the love. Um, because I see a lot of the pitfalls and the, a lot of the ways that it hurts people and it's not necessarily helpful. Um, so I want to I touch on that tonight because I'm guessing a lot of you feel the, the same way that I do. And, um, and I'll be transparent with you right up front. This is one of those things I feel really passionately about. And so I've had to really pray my way through my preparations because... I want to make sure that what I'm saying to you is solid and biblical and not just based on some of Renee's pet peeves because it could be pretty easy to do that. And so I will do my best to keep my attitude and my opinions um, tampered down and, and really come at you from the stance of the Word of God and what that has to say about it. Um, and how does the Word of God apply to our words? How does it apply to social media? Um, so tonight I'll be talking about how we approach hot button issues with our words, and that can be spoken or written. A lot of what I'm going to say is going to be directed towards social media, simply because that is where a lot of us interact these days. It's where a lot of us get our information these days. And so I felt like I was to lean a little more heavily in that direction. But I would say this, everything I'm going to say to you tonight can also apply to spoken words. And so don't, don't think that it doesn't, that you can um, say what you want to, but then apply these rules only to social media. It, accounts, it, it, it applies to all of our communication in every category. So um, I don't know about you, but all the posts about the coronavirus have, have kind of taken a toll on me, and I've read very, very little in the last few weeks. Um, because I feel like... Everyone's got their opinion, and they pretty much look for articles that will support their opinion, and that's what they post, sometimes ad nauseum. And, you know, so you can find one article that makes things sound really promising and encouraging, and then the next article makes it sound like we're all going to be dead in a week. 
you can find an article that says we are to honor our governors and abide by their orders and stay home. And then you'll find articles that say, no, it's time that we stand up for ourselves and take back our rights. And so I think it could cause a lot of confusion, a lot of distress, and I think it builds anxiety in our spirits when we hear all of these different things. Is there a conspiracy going on? Can we trust our government leaders? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And how much of what we're reading is fact and how much of it is opinion. And it can't all be fact if it disagrees with each other. So in light of that, I just, I just want to give you a few things that I'm hoping will be helpful for you as you navigate this season and other seasons to come, because there will be more. You know, there are there are there like right now the coronavirus is everywhere and so and and because of that we're also reading a lot about politics um but politics is always a hot button issue it doesn't matter who's in office you're going to hear about it on social media i mean there are some hot button issues that seem really prevalent in christian circles and then there are other hot button issues that kind of apply to the population at large and it doesn't really matter whether you're a christian or not so here are some other things that i would say can be hot button issues that pop up in social media. Whether it doesn't really, I'm not talking here about which side you're on, I'm just saying these are issues that are gonna pop up. And so we've got things like the um, LGBTQ movement, we've got things like women in leadership, we've got vaccinating your children, we've got politics, we've got abortion. And, and some things only pop up during crisis modes, like all of those things are kind of year-round issues that we'll hear about. But, you know, right now the coronavirus is a big deal. It's also an election year, so politics are going to be especially heightened. And so we just need to be aware of that. And, and then there are some things, guys, that honestly, they're not a hot-button issue to you right now, but they will be in the future. So you're probably passing over these articles today. You know, right now you don't have children, so you're not worried, at least most of you don't, you're not really thinking about vaccinations. Um, but that's going to be a decision you'll have to make when you do have children, and you're going to read a lot of articles on both sides of the coin. Um, another thing is childbirth options, natural childbirth versus an epidural and all these kinds of things. Again, you, most of you are not facing those decisions right now, but someday you will. And so you've got to be prepared for that. When all the opinions come up in front of you, how are you going to navigate that decision in your own life? So what is our job as Christians as we navigate these issues? I mean, whether it's in person or on social media, what is our responsibility as a Christian? Because here's the thing, a lot of these issues are not directly addressed in the Bible. I mean, that's just fact. And, and social media for sure wasn't addressed in the Bible because it did not exist. And so how do we lean on the word of God to address things that were not specifically addressed in that day and in that culture? Um, but the word of God is, it stands the test of time. And that's what I love about it is because it's so applicable even to what we are facing today. And, and so the Bible does have a lot to say about how we relate to people, how we care for people, how we use our words Oh, you better believe those topics show up in scripture quite clearly. And so we're going to look at some of those things today. Um, I'm going to give you five questions, try to keep it real simple. Five questions that you should ask yourself before you post something, before you respond to something, before you say something. 
check yourself, check your heart with these five questions. And I think it will be helpful, not just for you, because honestly, it's really not about you. This is, these are going to be things that are going to be helpful for everybody, people on the other side of, of the screen um, where you might be posting. So let's dive in five questions that you can ask yourself. All right. And the first one is this, what is my heart motivation? And that might sound really simple on the surface, but I'm asking you before you post something, before you say something, before you respond to something, go deep in your own heart and ask yourself, am I being honest with myself about why I'm posting it? Because sometimes we post things simply to get a reaction. I'll be honest with you. Okay. I'm going to be really honest with you tonight. There are times I've posted something hoping that a specific person would read it and anticipating how they might respond or how they might feel when they read it. I'm just being honest. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we put a direct face on the other side of that post. That's wrong. That's not a pure heart motivation. Um, sometimes I think people honestly just post to pick a fight. Some people seem to love the back and forth and watching people like go at each other, which is very disturbing to me when I read it um, under under the, the page of somebody who I know is is a believer in Christ and and they seem to thrive um, on that interaction, that negative interaction between people. Ask yourself, am I posting this? Am I writing this? Am I sharing this? Because I want to look smart or wise or in the know. Like I'm superior. I have the superior knowledge and wisdom here. Or we can also post things because we're like, this makes me look good and righteous and holy. And, and so those are all traps that we can fall into if we are not checking our hearts on a regular basis. We've got to be people of character and integrity. If your motives are not pure, don't say it. If your motives are not pure, don't post it. If your motives are not pure, do not respond to it. Only allow yourself to respond when you can truly say that your heart motivation is pure. John 3, 6 says this, interesting scripture. He says, for the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life. And here's the thing, you cannot post something with a natural or fleshly motivation and then expect it to bear spiritual fruit. It just doesn't work that way. And so if we are posting things out of the natural inclination of our heart, that's what we're going to get in response is the natural inclination of other people's hearts. It's not going to bear spiritual fruit or spiritual growth in us or in the reader or the listener. Our social media presence should be saturated in the presence and the power of God. I mean, that's what we would say about every other area of our lives, correct? So why should social media be any different? We need to make sure that we are carrying uh, the, the presence and the power of Christ into everything that we, that we say, even if it's through the written word on social media. The word also says this in Romans 2, 4, that God's kindness leads you to repentance, his kindness. So I think sometimes our heart motivation is not pure because we want to motivate somebody through change, but we're not doing it with a godly heart of kindness. So when you, when you read that scripture, when it talks about um, kindness, it actually says the definition is mild. The definition is pleasant, and this one caught me, 
kindness actually means the opposite of harsh. All right. So, so many things I read, listen, listen, even if I agree with what the person's saying, I am not impressed with the harshness of their tone in how they say it. There is never an excuse to not be kind. That is the way the Lord responded to us. And so that is our call to respond to other people. We will see much greater fruit when we respond with a heart of kindness. Matthew 29, 22, 39 says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I want you to think about times you've been on the receiving end of verbal or written comments and how they made you feel. And so again, we are to love other people the same way that we would want to be loved or cared for. And so it's another scripture that points us to checking our heart motivation. Am I doing this with a heart of love? I cannot tell you how many times I have gone to post something or I have gone to respond to something and it was literally like I could feel the Holy Spirit on my shoulder screaming in my ear, don't say it, don't do it, delete it, get out now. And I've learned to respond very quickly to that. And listen, sometimes it's painful because sometimes I have things that, man, I really want to say, or sometimes I'm like, man, I worded that perfectly. Like that was good. That was going to hit the mark. But if the Holy Spirit is in my ear saying, don't do it, don't say it, I back off. I back off and I delete the thing because it's not going to bear any fruit if it was not coming from a pure heart of love. I think um, if, if we're not generally trying to be kind and helpful, then we really shouldn't say it. It's really that simple. It's not that complicated. The complication comes in being honest with ourselves about our motivations. You've got to be tough on yourself and you've got to weigh the pleasure of God if you don't do it against the pleasure of man or self if you do post it. Because the pleasure of God will outweigh the opinion of man any day of the week. You have other options. You can talk to somebody in person, you could just not say it, and you can literally just let it go. You can drop it. Um, so there are a lot of options. If you, if you determine that your heart isn't pure, take a step back and let the Lord work in your life before you take any further action. All right, second question is this, and this kind of follows up on what we just talked about. How would it feel to be on the other side of this post or this comment? Um, that is something to think about. How would it feel to the person on the other side? And I'm not saying that there's never a time to approach things. I mean, the Bible talks about truth and grace, but I'm, I'm thinking we, it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. How does it feel to be the person on the other side? Have you thought about how it might feel, how it might affect somebody else's emotions? We just read Matthew 22:39, which said, love your neighbor as yourself. So again, apply that same standard here. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of things, and I'm not picking on these people. Um, I just want to give you some examples of things that have stood out to me on social media in the last weeks and months. So for instance, a very godly friend posted something this week. I love her. I think she's amazing, and I know she loves the Lord with all her heart. But she posted a chart about COVID-19. And it had two columns, and the one column said afraid, and the other column said not afraid. So the afraid column said this, if you're afraid, stay home, video conference, order curbside or delivery, wear a mask and or gloves. And then on the other side, it said not afraid. And the not afraid side said, go to work and school, shop at stores, eat at restaurants, worship at church, 
travel and vacation, go to ball games, fish and hunt, take kids to parks, host and go to parties, enjoy life. Under the afraid column, it said, you do you. And under the not afraid column, it said, I'll do me. Now, I'm not making any kind of statement here about whether we should stay home or we should get out and about and open things up again. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, do you understand what was wrong with, with this chart is she was making assumptions about people. She was, she was saying, it's very simple. If you do all the things in this column, you're afraid. And if you do all the things in this column, you're not afraid. And that's actually not true because there are many people who are doing the things in the afraid column. They are staying home, they're wearing masks, they're ordering curbside or delivery because maybe there's someone in their household with a compromised immune system. Um, they, they likely, many people I know, are doing it for very, very valid reasons. And so we cannot confuse cowardice with compassion. They look a lot alike these days. And so the chart was making it way too simple. It's a very complicated issue. What about the other chart, the other side of the chart, the, the not afraid column, which was like, get out and do whatever you want, whenever you want to. And she was saying, basically, all the people in that column are not afraid. Maybe, but there are people that are doing those things because they don't have fear. There are also people doing those things because they are just arrogant. And so you cannot equate the two. The, the heart attitude is different, even though it might look the same on the outside. Confidence and contempt look a lot alike these days as well. And so my problem with her chart was that it brought condemnation to anybody who's staying home. It, it was not able to see that there could be false or true motives on either side of that chart. It made it black and white when it is not. We are not really in a black and white situation right now. There are a lot of nuances to what we're experiencing. And so it can make people that are staying home feel foolish, feel defensive, feel uninformed, make them feel selfish. And maybe that is not the heart motivation at all. All right, so that's my first example. Um, secondly, uh, another thing that I saw somebody post not that long ago was that college is a waste of time and money. And that was a very broad blanket statement. And it really brought me up short because I thought, man, how does that feel if you were a high school senior and you're making big decisions about the future and maybe you were feeling called to go to college and then you read a person that's older and supposed to be wiser make a comment like this. Listen, is that true for some people that college is a waste of time and money? Yes. Is it true for everybody? No. And so you cannot make broad comments like this on social media without thinking about how this might feel to other people. College debt is a real thing and students need to be aware of it and make wise choices. And so that might mean delaying college, going part-time, looking into other options. But there are people that feel specifically called to specific careers, like doctors, like nurses, we need them right now, right? What about lawyers? What about teachers? I went to college um, to become a teacher. You know, there was no other option for me. That was the, what the Lord called me to do. And, and so there are a lot of people that are literally going to college and following the Lord's call and will for their lives. And they're doing their best to make wise decisions. And they're happily paying off their student debt, maybe not happily, but they're paying it off willingly because they understand that that was the price needed in order to fulfill the call of God on their lives. So we have to be so careful about making 
broad statements like this. We alienate people, we make them feel discouraged, and we could actually talk people out of doing something they're called to do when we make a statement such as this. One more example, and this one really shocked me. This is somebody that, um, that I know who is a really solid Christian. I mean, I think a lot of her as a person, as an individual, but her posts leave me very troubled. Um, and so she posted something about vaccinations last year. Now, again, I am not making a statement about whether you should or should not vaccinate. I'm saying watch your heart motivation when you post these articles because she posts them all the time. And I'll be honest, I just don't read them anymore. I just don't because they all say the same thing. And I don't know who she's trying to convince, but you know, it's, it's, so, so this was the part of her post that shocked me, not the article. The article was fine and it was well-written. What bothered me was her opening line said this, can you be a Christian and vaccinate? And I thought, wow, like that's a pretty strong statement. She is essentially saying, because she would be an anti-vaxxer, she is essentially saying that anybody who's taking the opposite view of me, I question whether you can be a Christian and make that choice. We gotta be so careful about those kinds of statements, guys. And I'm not saying there's never a time to defend a position. I'm not saying that there aren't things in the word that aren't black and white. There are things that are black and white that we really need to defend and stand up for. But that was a pretty inflammatory way to start her post. Can you vaccinate and be a Christian? And I thought, it's not fair for her to make that statement because there are parents, um, I, I have a friend right now who's little girl is struggling with cancer and it is really important that she be guarded from other other diseases that could further compromise her health so you've got to factor in the outliers even if you even if you agree with her article you've got to factor that in i think about a friend of mine i know who had polio and is crippled um, and she's around my age and she's lived with that her whole life never got married never had a family um, i think about how a statement like that might feel to her she might really be truly wishing that her parents had vaccinated her. You know, I think about another friend who had mumps when he was a teenager and then he was sterile and his wife, he and his wife couldn't have children as a result of it. You know, so I think to myself, and I don't know, I'm not, I don't know him well enough to ask him how he feels about vaccinations, but he could very well be wishing that his parents had made that choice for him. So all that to say, be careful, be wise. Think about the person on the other side and be tender toward the broad range of experiences and feelings that people have. The third question to ask yourself is this, is this a salvation issue? Because there are some things that are very clearly, but if they are not salvation issues, according to the word of God, then they most likely have more than one side or more than one argument for or against them. Jimmy's done a two different sermons on debatable topics and so I'm not going to re-preach that here. You can find them online in our sermon archive. Wonderful sermons that really clearly lay out how we approach these things and how we determine which things are black and white and which things are debatable. So I encourage you to catch up with that. I think sometimes we, we feel passionate about something and we think to ourselves, why is this other person not passionate about it, not passionate about it too? And here's the thing, they might be passionate about something else because there are lots of things that we can be called to or feel strongly about 
And I wonder if it isn't of God that we take up different causes and he doesn't necessarily have us all fighting the same battle because he raises up people to do different things in different spheres of influence. So that's one thing to really consider when somebody feels passionate about something. Now, here are some comments. We talk about, is this a salvation issue? And we're saying a lot of things aren't. A lot of things are debatable issues. And so I, I'm going to say some things here and I, it may shock you. I don't know. I have really godly friends that are Republicans and I have really godly friends that are Democrats. I have very godly friends who voted for President Trump and I have very godly friends who did not. Um, I have godly friends who vaccinate their children and very godly friends who don't. I have godly friends who right now think that we are called to abide by the stay-at-home orders and godly friends who think we really need to get out there and get the attention of the government so things open up again. These are debatable issues, guys, and I know godly, sincere people on both sides of these issues. And I, I think, I, I don't think it's my job, I don't think it's your job to try to swing them to the other side. Honestly, you know, my friends on both sides of these issues have really valid, solid reasons for what they've chosen. I'm just, I mean, I have made sure that I've understood the arguments on both sides of these things. And there is great validity and these people feel strongly about it. And I trust them because they love the Lord just like I do. So even if we end up on the wrong side of things, I can still honor what they're saying. It is a matter of opinion and not a matter of salvation. I, Proverbs 18.2 says this, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in, um, in airing their own opinions. And it was really interesting to me. When it talks about understanding here, it's talking about discretion. Um, it's talking about understanding. But it also means being attentive and considerate of others. That's part of having understanding. Understanding how other people feel and think. And when it talks about opinions... Um, it, it, there's this underlying meaning of being revealed or uncovered. And that's what happens when we reveal our opinions. And I'm not saying we never should. There is a time and a place to do that. But, but stating your opinion does reveal something about your heart. It does uncover something about your motivation. And it might uncover something really great and wonderful and true. But it might reveal something that's not so good. And so we need to be aware of that. When we are so intent on spouting our opinions, it does reveal something about us. And if we're not aware of it, that doesn't mean other people aren't. Sometimes other people can see into our true motivation quicker than we can. So it's something to be very aware of. I have unfollowed a lot of people who I just felt like their posts revealed something really ungodly. Um, or just a lack of integrity in the way they handle themselves on social media. And I'll be honest, I've unfollowed more Christians than non-Christians um, because I just found their attitudes to be offensive. And I thought, I just don't really, I just don't really need that in my life. Um, and they would probably be really shocked and maybe even hurt if they knew that um, I no longer read their posts. Um, be careful about sharing your opinions too frequently because I think a lot of times people put their opinions on the same level as the Word of God. And it's like, if I, maybe if I post this same idea day after day after day after day, people will, I'll sway people to my side and um, it starts to give it the same clout as, as God's Word. And, you know, our opinions, our words will never equate His. 
Um, and so that's something to keep in mind. And, and it leads us into our fourth question, which is this. Am I trying to do God's job for him? So let's say for just a minute that you are absolutely correct in your opinion. And honestly, most opinions probably have some room for human error, right? But let's just say for the sake of argument that you are absolutely right. You still have to ask yourself if it's, if it's best for you to actually post it or share it or comment on it in some way, even if you're totally and completely right. I'm not convinced that social media, I mean, social media is powerful. We're not getting away from it. And so we need to learn how to use it well and use it wisely. But on the flip side, I'm not really sure it is the best way to influence people and to change hearts. Um, like I said before, if somebody posts repeatedly on the same topic, I don't read it after the first one or two. So they're completely wasting their time. And I think I can honestly tell you, I don't think I have ever changed my opinion about anything based on a post that I saw on social media. I may have read something that made me think or ponder or tweak something, but by and large, social media does not change my opinion. It, it messes with my emotions. You know, all the corona stuff we talked about and the variety of opinions. Man, one day I'm like, we're all going to be fine. And the next minute I'm like, we're all going to die. And so it affects my emotions, but it actually does not affect my opinion. Um, uh, this, is a, this is a really like lame example, but like I hate mayonnaise. I, I think it's disgusting. I don't like the look of it. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the taste of it. I think it's horrid. You could post an article every single day about how wonderful mayonnaise is, how it improves food, how sandwiches are better, the, all the things, all the ways that it adds flavor, you will never convince me otherwise. I don't care. And I think a lot of it is true for other opinion things that we post. It's not actually changing people's minds. So are we trying to do God's job for him? And would we would our time be better used another way? I mean, people spend a lot of time crafting and posting things for social media. Is that the best use of your time? You would have greater influence in praying than in posting. Guaranteed. If you actually want to change things, if you want to influence the world, you really should stop posting right now and get on your knees and start praying. Because prayer moves hearts. And prayer changes minds. And prayer changes the atmosphere. God responds to our prayers. I don't, I don't know how he feels about our posts. You know, some of them he's probably not too impressed with. James 5.16 says this, For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Notice it says the passionate, heartfelt prayer. Not words, not Facebook posts. It's our prayers that release God's power. And, and maybe you would be better off to actually get involved in someone's life personally or volunteer for an organization or a ministry who, who um, stands up for the very thing that you are passionate about. I just wonder, guys, is that not a better use of our time than thinking we need to talk about this or post about this on a regular basis? We talk here at Lifeway all the time about impacting lives for eternity. Um, I don't think social media is the best way to impact lives for eternity. It has its place. And I think it has value, but I think personal connection and interaction will trump social media any day of the week. Um, and I know that we are limited in what we can do right now, but I think we can find creative ways to connect with people um, rather than simply spouting our opinions online. 
last question for you to consider. Am I willing to be held accountable for my words? Ecclesiastes 3.7 says there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Do you know which time it is? Because you're going to answer for both. If there were times that you uh, spoke and you should have been silent, you'll answer for that. If there are times that you um, should have been silent and you spoke, you'll answer for that too. It goes both ways. You're going to be held accountable for your words, spoken, written, and unsaid. I promise you that. Because listen to this verse in Matthew 12, uh, 36 to 37. It says this, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. I'm not talking about defending your opinion or defending your right to free speech. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying this, this verse tells us we will be held accountable for every careless word we have spoken, every careless word we have written. We'll answer for that someday. And so I, you know, can I defend my motivations and my heart and my attitude? Because I'm going to be accountable for that. You know, even if you manage to fool all the people who read your Facebook posts, you are not going to fool God. He is well aware if there's any hidden motivation or attitude. If you have undermined your spouse or your church online, you'll answer for that. If you have condemned people who disagreed with your opinion, you will answer for that. And if you've been unnecessarily unkind or unhard or harsh, you'll answer for that as well. Psalm 29, 129.23 offers this challenge. And I would say, can you pray this with all sincerity? It says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. Can you pray that? Do you really want the Lord to do that? Because that's where we get really honest. And that's where the Lord can come in and do a work and begin to really purify our hearts so that we interact with other people in a way that brings life and not death, in a way that brings joy and not sorrow, in a way that glorifies God and is for the good of the other person instead of for our personal good. It's a scary prayer, but I think it's, it's necessary for us to pray that, give the Lord opportunity to search our hearts and ask ourselves these five questions to make sure that the things we are posting on social media, maybe the things we're saying in conversation, line up with the word of God. Listen, we are his representatives in all we say and in all we do. He has entrusted that to us. And I don't know about you, but I want to make him look good. I really, he, I'm not saying he needs my help. He's God. But I want to make him look good. I don't want to bring shame to the name of God. And 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15 says this, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And so ask yourself, am I spreading a fragrance or am I spreading an odor? Because they're two different things. And we are called, according to these verses, to be the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. The world needs us now more than ever, and it needs us in 101 different ways. And so I think it's time that we get out there 
and we love people with the heart of Christ. And we, you know, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. So that means we're thinking his thoughts. It should be only his thoughts that we are posting on social media these days and not our own. You know, this 1 Corinthians 10 31 says that we should do everything for the glory of God. What does that include? Everything means everything. And that includes how we're responding to the crisis that our world is in. It means responding to our families or co-workers in these stressful times. And it, it, it applies to how we are responding on social media these days. And so I want to pray for you and bless you because I believe God wants to use you in this season to be a blessing to other people. God, I thank you that even in times such as these, you are present and you are powerful and we can trust you. And so we ask you, we invite you to come and search our hearts, reveal anything in us that would be impure of motivation, any area where we lack compassion or love for other people, and give us an awareness, God, of our mission here on earth to impact lives for eternity. Give us an awareness of the people on the other side of that screen. And I pray, God, that you would help us to do all things in love so that we can truly glorify you in everything that we do and say. Thank you for your presence tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, love you guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Hoping that maybe till next month we can meet live and in person, but if not, we'll see you back here online. Blessings.